We're going to go to Second uh, Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. As we continue on, <clears throat> excuse me. As we continue on in our series about sanctification, sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Um, we want to be like Jesus. So that's what being Christian is all about. It's about being Christ-like. And uh, I said last week, and I truly do believe it, that sanctification is an overlooked doctrine in our churches today. We are sanctified holy somewhere in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, uh, that already in the sight of God, I am sanctified completely. But uh, down here, I ain't. I know that's not good English, but that's a good truth, I guarantee you. I ain't as, as sanctified as I need to be. And by the way, let me go ahead and say, neither are you. Amen. just thought I'd throw that out there and make me feel better. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's bad. That's bad. Second Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and had forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. <clears throat> Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Pardon me. I'll try to get that cleared out. Um, I titled the message tonight, Beginning with Virtue. And beside this, giving all diligence, working at it, add to your faith, the faith that, that, that God gave you to get saved, add to your faith, virtue. We're going to focus on that a little bit tonight. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, one last time we ask for your power and guidance, clearness of uh, mind and, and speech. And Lord, that as we open our mouth, you would fill it. And then just some help with my voice. Uh, I, I trust that you'd give that, clear that up so that I can proclaim your word in a, in a good fashion. Thank you, Lord, for caring. Thank you, Lord. We, we trust that you're going to speak to us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the word of God. Please be seated. Find Romans chapter 6 and mark it in your Bible, if you will. We're going to go over there here later on in the, in the, in the message. Uh, but if everybody has that marked, then we can get over there quickly and we can get finished and all go home. Just a little review from the last message. We talked about how the Christian life is compared to a journey. It's not just a destination. It's a journey as we go through the Christian life here on earth. 
And it has a definite beginning, that salvation, that time that you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I'm telling you, if, ever, if you've ever truly met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you remember it. No, it's a fact. No, no, no. If you've ever truly been saved by the grace of God, you don't, well, I don't know when, oh, no, no, no. If you've ever truly been saved by the grace of God, you remember when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It has a definite beginning, the salvation, a definite destination. That's our glorification. One of these days, we'll get all of that. And it, it journey, this journey that we're on as Christians, it consists in two parallel paths. A sanctification, that's our growth toward Christ-likeness and all things, everything that we do. And then evangelism, which we were challenged with tonight, multiplying disciples and advancing the gospel. I mean, the Lord saved our soul, hallelujah, that he might set us apart and use us. The Bible says that we're to be a peculiar people. That means a people that are set apart to be used for the Lord. And we're to be used to, uh, excuse me, to evangelize. To tell people about Jesus Christ. Come on. If not, if not, when he saved us, he could have just taken us on home. Just gone right on home. But we were left here that he might take us and set us apart and use us to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're on this journey. And it's characterized by three different factors. The two paths are be traveled personally. I mean, you have to personally be saved. You have to personally be sanctified. You have to personally be telling people about Jesus Christ. And they're also to be traveled simultaneously and what does that mean preacher it means that you don't have to be you don't have to be a mature uh, quote-unquote mature Christian to tell people about Jesus if you got saved last week you can tell people about Jesus now Uh, no 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 I don't know what to say tell them how you got saved tell them how God spoke to your heart Tell them that, you know, that Jesus is the uh, 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 begotten Son of God and that He died for the sin of mankind, shed His blood, that He was laid in the tomb dead for three days, but rose from the dead, victorious over death and hell. I'm telling you, no, no. I mean, we can proclaim the gospel, can't we? You, You don't have to wait four or five or six or 10 or 12 or 15 years to start telling people about Jesus. And the two paths, those two paths, as we travel those, they'll be traveled in partnership. Uh, there's a partnership of sanctification. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm talking about the local church now because Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can anybody see the day approaching? No, man, that that time is coming and I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it is coming. And so we gather together and we encourage one another, we edify one another, we exhort one another to be living the life that God would have us to live and to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Brother Mike gets up here every Wednesday night to challenge. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to tell people about Jesus. <clears throat> There's a partnership in that. Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So I'm very thankful for Riverside.
Baptist Church. And I'm thankful for the unity that we have here. I'm thankful for the good fellowship that I can have when we join together. I'm thankful for the spirit of the services as we gather together. But I'm also thankful that more and more people are getting a mind to go out and tell people about Jesus. They're getting more and more people are getting a mind to go out and knock on a few doors and invite people to church. More and more people are understanding that they need to be talking to their co-workers and their schoolmates, uh, to those that they that, to those that they live live around. I, I mean, more more we need to realize that we come together with one mind striving for the faith of the gospel for a successful earthly journey towards Christ's likeness we must add to our faith the qualities that were found in verses 5 through 7 and in doing so it will make our lives fruitful as what the bible says make our lives fruitful and fall proof we don't have to fall away <clears throat> now when we begin our journey Toward this Christ-likeness, God equips us to succeed. We, we know that's true. Uh, verse 3, according to, as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. And so he, he's given us all that we need. At the moment of salvation, he adds to our faith all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, God gives to us everything we need to grow to be like Jesus. No, at the time of salvation, at that point, we have everything we need to grow to be like Jesus. But spiritual growth is not automatic. I've said it a hundred times or many, many more probably that I wish that when I got saved that immediately I'd have been a real spiritual person. That's not the way that it works. The Bible says when we're saved, we're born again by the Spirit of God. So we're babes in Christ. We don't have everything we need. Uh, look, uh, uh, a, uh, spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth. Uh, a normal, healthy child comes into this world fully equipped to, to grow. And, and, and if properly um, nurtured, uh, that child will begin to gain weight and size and abilities. I mean, such as walking and talking and, and, and maturity. And, but for a child to experience the normal, natural growth uh, that we expect some things have to be added to the child. The child's going to need nourishment. The child's going to need exercise. The child's going to need sleep and warmth and education and a whole lot more to be successfully making this journey from infancy into adulthood. And in the very same way, for a child of God to successfully make, make the journey from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, then they must add to their faith the qualities that Peter proposes here. And this adding to our faith does not add anything to our salvation. No, 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 no. It only has to do with our sanctification. Once we have repented of our sin and trusted Christ as our Savior, we're saved to the uttermost. Absolutely. No, that's done. We're not working our way into salvation. Salvation is instantaneous. Okay, so, so let's think for a minute the difference between salvation and sanctification. The Apostle Peter here makes two statements that help us to understand uh, some important differences between the experience of salvation and the journey of sanctification. And first he writes of the like precious faith his, his readers had obtained. And this is referring to their salvation. And then second he writes of the necessity of adding specific qualities to their faith. So that's a process that would lead to a fruitful Christian life and to protect them from falling. I love that part of it. I, 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 I don't want to stop here, but I love that, that, that part of it. Verse 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence, work at it to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fall we don't have to fall 
We don't have to, okay. <clears throat> young people, you don't have to get away from God. Amen. Well, you know, for young people, they get saved early age, and then they just, you know, I don't know, they just kind of go wacko when they get to a certain age, and then they have to go out and just sow their wild oats. No, they don't. No, they do not. They do not have to get away from God. They never have to fall away from God. They do not have to go the way of the world. No, no, no. Just like you and I would add these things to our life, they need to be adding these things to their life. And certainly as, as parents, we want to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I mean, encouraging them to do these things, add these things to their own life. Anyway, we do not have to fall away from God if we're doing what God says we should be doing. If we're adding to our life what God says we should be adding to our Christian, Christian life. Uh, salvation is a, it's a present possession if we have been saved by the grace of God. And sanctification is an ongoing process in our life. Uh, salvation is a product of, of our faith in Christ. And sanctification is a product of our faithfulness to Christ. That we're willing to do what Christ would have us to do. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so, so we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Unto good works. There's more that God wants to do with us once we're saved by His grace. It's not that we should just sit down and think, man, I'm safe now. I'm telling you, I'm glad that there's nothing else to do. Oh, there's plenty more to do after we're saved. There's a lot that God wants to do in our life. Look, God rejects, look, please get this. God rejects any works on our part for salvation. But God requires works on part of our sanctification. Look, I didn't do anything to get saved except turn to God, repentance of the heart, and a trust that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He saved me that day just like that. But He's been working on me ever since. And He continues to do so. And as I yield to Him, He does more and more and more. As I, no, no, as I refuse to yield with, uh, to Him, He doesn't do anything. It's just bad. But if I'm yielding to him, if I'm obeying him, if I'm adding these things to my life, then he continues to work on me to bring me to the place that he's been trying to get me ever since the day that I got saved. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed uh, by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Romans 4, 5. Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So we don't work to get our salvation. <laughs> I'm thankful he saved me. Not because of what I've done, but because of how good He is. Amen. Because of what He has done. Because of what Jesus did on the cross all those years ago. Amen. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of re regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, 
which for it is God which worketh in you, uh, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so I'm thankful he saved our soul, but then he wants to work on us, but we have to be yielded to him and we have to be willing to do some work as we go. There are no degrees, there are no degrees, degrees of salvation, but there are infinite degrees of sanctification. No, 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 no. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, man, there's no degrees of that. You call upon the Lord, he saves your soul. Nothing to it. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're changed in the same image. We come to that first place of, of, of glory which is salvation and from that time to the second time God's trying to get to that second place of glory where we, we are a, where we are a glory for Him where our light shines for Him and from that first place to the second place He continues to work on us year after year after year after year trying to get us to that place that he wants us to be. The goal of sanctification is Christ-likeness in every area of our life. <clears throat> well, I finally, I finally gained victory. God gave me victory in this area of my life, preacher. Hallelujah. So which area is he working on now? Oh, you mean there's other ones? Oh, I'm pretty sure. No, 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 that's what he's done. Ever since I got saved, I can remember God giving me victory. I mean, early in my Christian life, I was thinking, glory to God, I never thought I'd have victory over this. And God said, well, what about this? And I, man, I began to pray, and I mean, work toward doing what God would have me to do, and God would give me victory in that area, and I'd be like, glory to God, this is wonderful. And then God would go, what about this? And here it is 37 years later, and God's still going, well, what about this? And what about this? And when he doesn't, Miss Pam does. So, I mean, you know, we tried to, that, that was supposed to be a joke. Didn't go over it all. Anyway, <laughs> he's trying to get us to that place of Christ's likeness in every area of our life. Do, do you understand? Because Jesus is a person of absolute perfection, the only one that ever was. No matter how greatly we may conform to his image, no matter how much God has already worked on us, there's always going to be room for continued growth. Always. We, we just are not going to arrive until we finally arrive at that final destination. So the common destination of salvation and sanctification, well, it begins with virtue. Believers are called to virtue. Again, verse number three, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So we've been saved by his grace and he has called us to glory and virtue. He's, he's called us to that. that. That means that every Christian, every born again believer, this is a goal that we should be looking at for sure. <clears throat> Everyone who is uh, saved by God's grace is called to sanctification. Let me read something to you out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse number 13 says this, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of His Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God called 
enables us by the gospel. We respond to the truth of the gospel with belief. With belief, we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We answer the gospel call with faith in Christ. We're saved by His grace. And at that time, the Holy Spirit of God begins to process of sanctification in our lives. He's working to conform us to the glorious image of Jesus Christ. And everyone who has obtained salvation will ultimately be conformed to the image of the Son of God. It's, it's going to happen. Romans 28, uh, Romans 8, 28. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But verse 29 says this, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might, that, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he, them he also glorified. And so, so everybody that's been saved by the grace of God, we, we're we predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now, we're not talking about predestination the way that some groups talk about predestination, uh, that God says, well, you know, well, you're going to go to heaven, but you're not. You're going to go to hell, and you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. Oh, but you're going to go to hell. Our God doesn't work like that. No, 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 no. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. But after we're saved by the grace of God, let me, okay, let me stop for just a second. I, and I don't have time because I really want to get through this. But, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, it is God's perfect will that everybody be saved. That's what God wanted. God's not, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the truth of God's word. He, he, that's what he wants. And, and of course, his plan was set up that whoever got saved then would be conformed into the image of his son. That is his predestination for you and me that have been saved by the grace of God. And, and he wants to work on us like that. He wants us to be glorified like that because he has done a work in our life. For the Christian, virtue is more than a matter of character. It's a matter of the likeness of Christ. Please get this. Please get this. For, 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 for a Christian, virtue is more um, than the matter, than a matter of, of, of character. Character is important. I'm going to touch that in just a second. But it's a matter of likeness to Christ. Our lives are to be conformed to virtue. And besides this, giving all diligence, add your faith, virtue. And the only way to add virtue to our lives, truly to add virtue to our lives, is to add Christ-likeness. Now stay with me here. I'm, I'm, I'm heading somewhere here. John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus said this. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So virtue is a willingness to please God, our Heavenly Father. And if we do not add virtue to our life, we're not going any further. No, no, he put that at the top of the list. It wasn't no mistake that God put that at the top of the list through the writing of Peter. If we do not have a willingness to please God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he's here, the very begotten Son of God, he said, I'm going to do the will of the Father. Everything that Jesus did while he was here, he did as an example to you and I. And if we do not have this virtue, if we do not have a willingness to please God, to do the will of the Father, we're not going to go any further. No, it doesn't matter if you're saved as a guy beside you. I'm telling you. 
You're not going to go any further. Well, I'm still going to go to heaven. Yeah, but you're missing a good part here. Mercy, the Christian life's the best life I've ever lived. it, It grieves me at times to think that there are people that are truly saved by the grace of God, but they will not yield to God. They won't yield to God. No, they pick and choose things out of the Bible that sound good to them. They want, they want to claim all the promises that God has. Oh, come on, just like Romans 8, 28. For we know all things, preacher, all things work together for good. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. All things work together for good to them that love God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Come on, this isn't, no, 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 no. This isn't just circular reasoning. This is the truth of, this is the, truth of the Bible. And so we want to pick and choose out of here. People want to pick and choose out of here what they want to do and what they, how they want to submit and everything. But if we do not have a willingness to please God, we're pretty much going to be stuck on that level right there. We, we may read our Bible. We may come to church. We may put money in the plate. We may do a few things. But I'm telling you, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to experience everything that God truly wants us to experience if we don't have a willingness to please God. So for us that are saved by the grace of God, virtue has a name. We just say it, it's, his name is Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be more Christ-like. We want to be more like him. Come on, they, I mean, even in the name Christian. Well, I'm a Christian. Christian means Christ-like. I mean, how Christ-like are we? How Christian are we? Well, preacher, nobody's perfect. Uh, you don't have to convince me of that. I guarantee you. I could testify of that. I promise you that is absolutely the truth. But there's a difference in somebody that's trying to live for God and trying to be Christ-like and somebody that just wants to carry the name Christian, but they're not letting God do anything in their life. And there are people that have sit. I, I, I believe there's people that have been saved by the grace of God that have just sit and, and somewhere along the way they just stopped God in their life. Oh no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And thank you, boy. I mean, my life is different, but that's just pushing me a little bit too far and I'm not going to do that. And I believe at that time their, their spiritual growth is just stunted. And there's people that have sit in churches 20, 30, 40 years. And I'm telling you, they're still spiritual babes in Christ. Because they just don't have a willingness to be more Christ-like. They don't have a willingness to please God. They're going to pick and choose what they do. They're going to pick and choose what they do. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is. Jesus has made sanctification to us. One commentator says this. I thought this was good. Let me read this to you. It said, quote, While Christians can be thankful for any effort that attempts to upgrade the moral fabric of our society, it is crucial that we realize that developing human virtue in our children and in ourselves is not the same as developing Christ-likeness. A lost businessman can be honest. A lost employee can be loyal. A lost philanthropist can be charitable. A lost soldier can be courageous. A lost student can be punctual, and that list could go go on and on, can it? Come on, there's a difference. There is a difference between just having good character and being Christ-like. There's a difference. The Christian is not called to add virtues, virtues to their life, not plural, but virtue, singular. 
perfect virtue was demonstrated once in this life. And that was by Jesus Christ. He was perfect virtue. So that virtue to our lives is to focus on becoming ever more like our Savior. Having that willingness to please God the Father. So there's three dimensions to our sanctification. Stick with me here. We're doing, we're doing really good on time tonight. Christ-likeness includes three major components. It's loving what Christ loves. It's seeking what Christ seeks. And it's doing what Christ would do. No, it's good stuff right there. Be good for you to remember that. It's loving what Christ loves. It's seeking what Christ seeks. And it's doing what Christ would do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. That's what the Word of God says. No, that part of the Bible is for every believer. Well, preacher, that's just not, that's just not. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't start trying to justify what you're not doing. The Bible says right there, we should follow in His steps. And character, although it's very, very important, it's not the main goal. Character shouldn't be our main goal. Christ's likeness is our main goal. So our passion, what we love, what we love. And Jesus set the parameters of our love. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God supremely. We know that. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Come on, we're supposed to love God more than we love anybody or anything else. God first. And then Jesus taught that we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. We're to love that. And Jesus taught us to love one another. As he loves us. Come on. John 13, 34. By this shall all men. No, no, no. Uh, uh, A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. That's what he said. So, I mean, we're to love one another as he loves us. As he loves us. Well, preacher, I love them. You know, I love them. Well, I I know, but I I mean, it it seems like you have ought against them. Well, you know, but I love them. Well, you probably ought to love them enough to go and take care of whatever ought there is against them. Because we're to love them the way that Jesus loves us. And I don't know about you, but Jesus has forgiven me over and over and over and over again. He wants to have a good relation with, a good relationship with me all the time. Come on, we're supposed to take care of things like that. I wish somebody would say amen right here because it's absolutely the truth. Well, preacher, some people are just hard to love. No kidding. Come on. You could have, really? Come on. Are you sure? It also says we're to forbear one another. But we are to love one another. We're to do that. It's, 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 we're supposed to do that. So Jesus is honored not only by what, what he loved. Get this. But also by what, by what he hated. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. There are some things that God hates. 
I think I can very safely say it's impossible to truly love what is right without detesting what is wrong. The more that we love the way that God loves, the more that we are going to uh, hate those things that are wrong. Those things that cause destruction in people's lives. Those things that make this sinful world even more sinful. I'm telling you, God saved me out of a life of drug and alcohol addiction, and I, I hate that stuff. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I hate booze. It nearly ruined my childhood, nearly ruined my family. I mean, nearly ruined my life. I hate it. I hate drugs and the effect of drugs. I hate it. Because I see the destruction it causes. And then as this world gets more and more wicked, I, I, I hate the things that are out there. I hate some of the music that's out there that's so vulgar and so terrible that, that I wouldn't even dare repeat some of the things that are said in some of those songs. And, and I hate some of the things that Hollywood produces. Things that are so unrighteous and things that are just not right. I hate those things. And I hate that they're trying to teach even our young children now about sexuality. That is so against what God teaches in His Word. I hate that. Because I know that it's going to destroy many children here in the United States and probably around the world. Uh, there's thing, No, no, no. We, if we're going to love the way that God loves, then we should probably hate what God hates. It's cultivating the attitude of if God's against it, so am I. It's good for us. But, but, but secondly, our purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, what we seek, what we seek. Stay with me here. We're doing good. To be conformed to the image of Christ is to be conformed to his purpose in life. His purpose in life. <clears throat> Jesus came to seek the lost. Luke 19.10. Jesus came to, 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 to seek, seek the lost. He also came to seek the will of the Father. I read that earlier over in John chapter uh, 5 and verse 30. He said, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And then Jesus taught us to seek God's kingdom before we seek anything else. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, <clears throat> if, if we're going to purpose to be more like Christ, then every Wednesday night when we sit in here and get challenged with telling people about Jesus, we should let that affect us. Because He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we should be doing that to some extent. Come on. If you've been saved by the grace of God, why wouldn't you want to tell other people about Jesus? If you've, if you've truly been saved by the grace of God, why would you want anybody around you to ever go to hell? No, you, you've been saved and you don't have to end up there. You've been saved and you, you've been given the Holy Spirit of God that's given you a whole new outlook on life. 
You've been saved, and you know that if people don't trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they're going to spend eternity in an awful, awful place. Why would we not want to share that with other people? No, no, if there's something, no, 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 no. If, if, we, don't, if we don't have that desire, are we spiritually sick? Are we not allowing God to conform us to the image of His Son? Is there some place along the way? Are you still with me here? Is there some place along the way we just said, Oh no, God, I tell you, you know, I mean, boy, oh boy, you saved me. And yeah, you've changed me and things are going a lot better. But boy, oh boy, now you're asking way too much. He's asking way too much for us to tell others how we got saved by His grace. He's asking way too much of us to tell somebody how they can miss that awful place called hell. I I really don't think so. And and we want to say that we're Christians and we even want to say that we're good Christians or convince ourselves that we're good Christians, but we we have no desire to tell others about Jesus Christ. We, we, take no, we take no steps whatsoever to try to get the gospel out to this lost and dying world. I mean, isn't, doesn't that seem like a problem? Am I the only one that, does, that, 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 that sees that? I, I mean, that virtue, that willingness to please God. He came to seek the lost. He came to do the will of the Father. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Apostle Paul said, what wilt thou have me to do? That's a good thing to ask God every day. No, no, every morning, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? How do you want me to be today? How do you want me to act today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Seeking the will of the Father. He taught us to seek the kingdom of God. To put God first in everything that we do. And if we'll put God first in everything that we do, I promise you, He can take care of everything else. And then our practices. That would be what we do. Now turn over to Romans. And you'll lose your place there. Romans 6, I said. Romans chapter 6. So we talked about our passion, what we love, and we talked about our purpose, what we seek. And now our practices, that'd be what we do, what what we do. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let me stop right there for just a second. People say stuff like this. You Baptist. You just believe once saved, always saved. Sure do. Absolutely. The Bible says we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Absolutely so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. The Bible teaches us that we are in Jesus' hand, Jesus in God's hand that's sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. I'll dare somebody to try to get us out of that. Amen. Ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Well, you just believe that, so you can just live any way you want to. Oh, no, no, no. Let me stop you right there. No. Somebody that's truly been saved by the grace of God, they don't want to just keep living the way they do. Oh, no. No. And if they do, there's going to be chastisement. If they do, God's going to do everything He can to get them back in line. And if they continue, if they continue to get away from God, then the Bible says that God will turn them over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. That's good preaching if I am doing it. Truly. Because God does not want one of His children 
to dishonor him and to uh, and to uh, and to uh, 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 be away like that and to be a bad testimony for him. Well, how far away from God they got to get? I don't know. I know that I've been farther away than I wanted to be. And I think it's just by the wonderful mercy and long-suffering of God that I'm standing here tonight, I guarantee you. But I can tell you this. I walked away from God, but He never left me. He was there every moment. Yep, trying to keep me in line, trying to get me back, trying to get me to turn around. Absolutely so. Oh, no, 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 no. God forbid. Shall we, what shall we say this? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Mercy sakes alive. What is our practice? What are we doing? Come on. Are we, are we, are we added? Have we added this virtue and decided that we want to be more like Christ? In everything that we do. Come on, in our attitude, in our actions, in what we do, where we go, what we watch, what we listen to. I mean, are, are, we, are we dying to self? See, the journey of sanctification leads a Christian into warfare against sin. I'll say it again. Warfare against sin. Against sin. And that's why a lot of people don't like the doctrine of sanctification. To add virtue to our lives, we must now, we must now prevent our bodies, our lives from being used by sin like they were before we got saved. Could you still do the same things if you wanted to? Yes. Could you still go to the same places? Yes. Could you still watch the same things? Yes. But I guarantee you're not going to enjoy it. No, no, not if you're truly saved by the grace of God. It's never going to be the same again. It's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same again. Once the Holy Spirit of God moves in there, it's not going to be the same. You might go back to it, but you're not going to... No, no, it's not going to be the same. Look on down in that chapter, verse number 11. Likewise reckon ye, uh, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should abate in the lust thereof, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look, we get to that place. If we, are going, if we really want to pursue this Christ-likeness, then we have to die to self. What we do, where we go, how we think, what we watch, what we listen to. We have to die to self. We have to decide that we want to please God more than we want to please ourselves. 
Let me, let me close. I'll close. Unlike salvation, which happens instantly and completely, sanctification is a lifelong process in which we, are, in which we continually grow to be more like Christ. And we're either growing, please listen to me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit here. We're either growing to be more like Christ or we're not. We've decided to add this virtue to our life or we haven't. Salvation is obtained by faith. Sanctification is dependent upon our faithfulness. Upon our faithfulness. God does the work as we yield to Him. Come on. I was saved by grace. And anything I am today is by His grace. And as, as we yield, as we obey, His grace changes us. I say by grace, I've been changed by grace. But God does not force anything on us. We have to decide that we are going to add this virtue, a willingness to please God, a willingness to be more like Christ. Sanctification, it requires a daily walk with God. And it requires a, a daily dependence upon the Spirit of God. So here we are. We're at that place. We, we ask God to help you to add this virtue to your faith. Lord, I, I want to be pleasing to you. I, I, I want to do what you would have me to do. But there's war, this war that goes on inside me. God says, I know. It went on inside of the Apostle Paul too. And pretty much every other Christian, every other believer that's ever been saved by God's grace. And I'm there for you. You just have to listen and obey. And, excuse me, and yield. Ask God to reveal specific areas in your life that need to be changed. Ask Him. He knows you better than you know you. And He knows what all your weaknesses are. Look up here for just a second. Look up here. And He knows about all the sin that's in your life. He already knows. And He wants to help you. He wants to help me. He wants us to be more like Christ. He is the one that's trying to conform us into Christ's image. So ask Him what in your life needs to be changed because you can be sure that that is a prayer that God will answer. He'll answer that prayer. God, what is it that's holding me back? What is it that I need to change that I... can begin to grow the way that I should be growing. What is it? God to answer that prayer for you, I guarantee you. New beginnings, our theme for the year. Let's start with virtue. Let's start with virtue. Let's all stand. Would you stand with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Piano's going to play here in a moment, but the altar's already open. 
And you need to come. We're not going to take a long time. Thank you for your attentiveness tonight. Thank you for your willingness.